I'm going to read from John chapter 6, uh, verses 60 through 69. John chapter 6. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Good evening. It's glad to be back home. For those of you who don't know me, I see people I do not recognize. I see people I do recognize. My name is Zach Geiler. I am a member here, and because you don't recognize me, it's because I've been in preaching school for the last year and a half. So it's good to meet you for the first time if it is, and good to see you again if I've known you before. Last weekend, I did something either really smart or really crazy. I got married. And over the week of my marriage experience, I've noticed one thing. I've been watching a lot of Hallmark slash Christmas movies more than I typically would. However, when I'm not watching Hallmark or Christmas movies, one thing I do enjoy to watch are different documentaries on history. I'm a big history buff, particularly medieval history. And one character, if you will, that stands out more than any others in my studies, I seem to keep going back to him, is King Henry VIII. The dude was a tyrant. He was absolutely horrible. But he fits in so perfectly with tonight's lesson, I would like to tell you a little bit about King Henry VIII. You see, King Henry VIII was married to a woman named Catherine of Aragon. And he really fell in love with this woman named Anne Boleyn. And although he was married to Catherine of Aragon, he would rather not be. So he wrote to the Pope saying, I would really appreciate it if you allowed me to divorce this woman so I could marry Anne Boleyn. And the Pope said, no, you can't do that. There's no grounds for your divorce. You've got to stay married to him. So what did King Henry VIII do? He didn't stick with his religion. Rather, he just said, okay, I'm done being a Catholic, and I'm going to start my own church. And thus, the Church of England was born. I bring this up because of all the examples of apostasy, this one stands out the most, probably because King Henry VIII was the most prominent or the most famous apostate of the Catholic religion. But apostasy isn't anything new. It wasn't new in the 1500s when King Henry did it, and it wasn't new in the first century. Even before Christ died, even before the institution of the Church of Christ, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, apostasy was still there. We have an example of it in, Acts, or in John chapter 6, rather. 
So let's see how Christ dealt with apostasy this evening. We're going to do this by looking at four different questions that are asked in this, uh, in this series of nine verses in chapter 6. Read with me, if you will, John 6, verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they had heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand this? Now, in context of that question, this is right after Christ fed the 5,000 and walked on the water. He was preaching a sermon saying that you have to eat the bread of life and drink his blood in order to have eternal life. Now, these people that were hearing this lesson did not have the same uh, benefit that we do. We know the rest of the story. We know that Christ is going to die on a cross. We know that he's going to institute the Lord's Supper. We know that in order to come to him and gain eternal life, we have to follow his commands and die to the old self and keep up his laws that are written in the New Testament. But these people did not know that. See, in their mind, when Christ said, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, that's exactly what they thought Christ was talking about. And so they said to themselves, this is a hard saying, who can understand this? Basically what they were saying was, this guy is insane, he wants us to eat him. That's what they were thinking. They said, this is a hard saying. They began to reject him, saying, we liked being fed, we liked all the miracles, but we're not enjoying this particular saying, or this particular teaching. So clearly, this guy's wrong. We've been mistaking, or mistaken in following him for so long. They were horrified by what Christ was saying. But they weren't just satisfied with denying Christ to themselves and moving along. They go a step further. This is a hard saying. Who can understand this? Not only were they saying that Christ's teachings were hard to understand and that no one would be able to follow them, but they go a step further and say, clearly we're smarter than Jesus and no one else is going to be able to understand what he teaches. So this whole Christianity thing, this new religion that he's touting is completely false. How many people do we know that are like that today? How many people are not just satisfied with not believing in God, but rather want everybody in the entire world to not believe in God right along with them? That is what was happening here in this chapter. They weren't just happy with not hearing what God or what Christ had to teach. They wanted other people not to listen to it because they weren't able to understand it and they were the smartest people in the world. Nobody else was going to be able to understand it in their minds. And this still happens today. A few reasons that people give for not believing in God is there's suffering in the world, there's death in the world, there's violence in the world. Why does God let this happen? We can't understand this. This is a hard saying. Clearly there is no God, is what they think. They don't understand why baptism is essential. Even in the realm of Christendom, even in the different denominations that claim to believe in God, that don't baptize for the remission of sin, will still say, this baptism doctrine, this is a hard saying, it's wrong. Even some churches preach that there is no hell. How can God be a loving God and still punish us? This is a hard saying. Clearly God no longer exists, or God isn't real. They can't understand it, so the Bible must be wrong. Because mankind can never be wrong, because we're prideful. So when they read something in the Bible they don't like or they don't understand, they just write the whole book off completely, saying this is a hard saying, who can understand it? We're prideful people. A lot of denominations are filled with prideful people. 
They hear the good parts of the gospel. They hear the parts that they like. And they'll follow along with those. But when they get to a section that they don't like, on a doctrine that maybe they wish was a little bit different, they stop. Or they change it. Because mankind can't be wrong according to them. No, the Bible is wrong. But Christ had a question for those who were rejecting Him on that first day, and He has a question for those people who are rejecting Him today. And that leads us to verse 61 through 65. When Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples complained about this, He said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you could see the Son of Man descend to where, or ascend where He was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who would betray, or who did not believe and who would betray him. And therefore, and he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. The first thing I want to bring up right here is Christ heard in himself. Don't think for a minute that these people who are rejecting Christ's teaching, saying that this is a hard saying and no one was able to understand it, was shouting at Christ from the top of their lungs. No, they were being cowards. They were being prideful cowards. They were whispering it to one another or thinking it inside of their hearts. What a shock it must have been when Christ asked them the question, does this offend you? I wonder if some of them stopped in their tracks and said, how did he hear that? We didn't say that out loud. But yet he asked that question, does this offends you. Of course, we know that our Christ can see the contents of a man's heart, as it says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, and he called them out on it. Does this offend you? Christ goes on to explain why he asked this question. Does this offend you? He was saying, you're struggling with very small things here. He said, you're not grasping the simple teachings, the milk of the word. And if you're not able to take the milk of the word, how are you going to be able to digest or accept things that are greater than what I'm telling you right now? He's saying, how are you going to be able to accept the fact that I am going to ascend into heaven to where I was before I came to this earth? If you start stumbling on the little things, you're not going to be able to grasp the big things. Christ then goes on to explain that you cannot understand spiritual things with an earthly mind, and this is a theme that runs throughout the New Testament. You can't try to understand God with an earthly mind, is what he was telling these people. Remember, these people thought that Christ literally wanted them to eat his flesh and drink his blood, but Christ was saying, no, no, stop. You're not thinking right. Stop thinking in the literal and start thinking in the spiritual. He was willing to explain it to these people, to, to uh, uh, well, he was... He was willing to teach them what he was trying to say. They didn't have the right mindset. They already made up their mind that Christianity was false. Christ's entire point was that there was nothing wrong with what he was teaching, but rather there was something wrong with the way they were perceiving it, or the way that they were believing it. And once again, we see this happening today. People still get hung up on the small matters of Christianity today. Even in our own brotherhood, we have seen churches become apostates because they come across some hard saying that they didn't want to believe. We have seen churches that once wore the moniker Church of Christ start to accept homosexual marriages 
We have seen women preachers. We've seen so many things that go against the teachings of God's Word because they couldn't accept it, because it offended them. They got hung up on the small matters, and because of that, they're going to miss the big picture. Because they got hung up on the small matters and they weren't willing to study deeper and harder into those matters, they're going to miss out on heaven because something they read in the Bible offended them. People have always thought that the Bible is mistaken. Apostates have always thought that the Bible is mistaken in one part or another. And because they didn't like what the Bible taught, they said, okay, either the entire Bible's wrong or just that part's wrong. We'll take that part out because I don't like it, and then we'll just keep the rest of the Bible. When we read through the Scriptures and get to a command that we find difficult to follow, we too can fall into this temptation of writing off the Word of God. But we need to remember something, brothers and sisters, when we're studying the Scriptures, that it is us who is always wrong when we come across a passage that we don't like. And the Bible is never wrong. When we are offended by a certain teaching of our Lord and Savior in the inspired Word, there is nothing wrong with that teaching. Rather, there is something wrong with the way we are living our lives or the way we are thinking when we read those teachings. And with that in mind, Christ gave these people a choice. He gave everyone a choice, including us today, in his next question. Verses 66 through 67. From that time, many of his disciples went back to walk with him no more. And Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? I can't imagine what Christ was feeling right now at this moment. Yes, Christ knew who was his true followers and who was going to fall away, but he was still a human being. He still felt pain. He still felt fear. If you don't believe that, read the account of Christ in the garden when he is sweating drops of blood, praying for God to take this cup away from him. I can imagine that Christ at this point was hurt and saddened that so many people left him. And as the droves of people walked away from him because they couldn't understand it, they weren't willing to listen and be taught by Jesus Christ because they were smarter than him. He saw his twelve apostles standing there. Even Judas, who he knew was going to betray him, but that time wasn't here yet. And he walked up to them and asked them a question. Do you also want to go away? Essentially, what Christ was asking them was, if you want to deny my teachings, if you want to give up on what I'm telling people, the time to walk away is now. He knew they were going to stay. He knew what was in the contents of their hearts. But he asked them this question, why? To show that Christianity is never forced upon somebody. But rather, it is a choice. A choice that every single person who decides to become a Christian and be buried in the waters of baptism still has. They can walk away. It's not the right choice, but it is a choice. People still reject Christ today. They rejected Him when He was teaching. They rejected Him in the first century. And they've rejected Him all the way up to 2015, where we are today. And we can still be tempted to reject Christ when we read a particular passage that we do not agree with, that we may be offended by. And Christ is still asking us today, 
Are you going to leave me too? Are you going to walk away? Before I preach a sermon or before I write a sermon, I read the passage a few times and I meditate on it. I think about it, trying to get uh, what the message is before I start doing word studies and get into the Greek and all that stuff. And keep in mind, we have the entire gospel. We know how the story ends. These people don't at this point in time. But as I was meditating on this passage, on this, on, these, on this last question that Christ asked, will you also go away, I kept thinking to the cross. Thinking about all the times that I've read a passage in the Scripture that I may have not liked. Maybe it condemned a family member of mine that has passed away. Maybe it's something that, that's just really difficult to do, and I'd rather not do it. All the times that I've thought to myself, you know, it would be so much easier just to close my Bible and move on. I hear Christ asking me that question when I get those temptations. Will you also go away? But I also know what Christ did for me. I know that He died on that cross. And so instead of seeing a sad Jesus in a field with His apostles leaving, I see a Jesus hanging on a cross. Blood dripping down His face, spilt for me. And He's asking me that question. You don't like that one, one passage you just read? You think it's a hard saying? Does it offend you? Are you really going to go away? You have that choice. We all have that choice to walk away, but only one will get us to heaven. Those of us who truly love Jesus Christ may find it hard to understand how someone can reject Christ after receiving all of His blessings. And Peter was one such person, and he asked the final question, of our lesson tonight. Starting in verse 68. But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have not come to believe, or we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When we get to a hard section of Scripture, when we get to something that may offend us or that we may not like, we have two choices. We can walk away, say that the Bible's wrong and write it off completely, or we can realize that that is the word of life. That is how we get to heaven is by following those commands. Will we also go away when we read something that we may not like or that's going to be hard to implement in our lives? Will we go away or, would we, or will we dig deeper into the Word, find out what it's saying, and maybe make sense of it in our own lives and then apply it? Because these people that walked away from Christ, these apostates that we read about in this chapter, were not willing to hear Christ out. They weren't willing to continue to hear His teachings. No, they made up their mind and left. And ten times out of ten, if you study the Bible and find out what it's truly saying, and not just reading one verse in particular that you don't like, taken out of context, you're going to find out something beautiful and something amazing. And even if you don't, even if at the end you still, in your Christian, mortal, earthly mind, don't understand it, those words give you life. And the thoughts that you're having in your head give you damnation. And the choice is simple. Will you also go away? No. You've got to go and follow the words in order to obtain eternal life. So I want you to ask a question, yourself a question tonight, brothers and sisters. 
when in your personal studies or when you're hearing a sermon preached by a brother up here and you get to a part that it's a little bit difficult to understand, a little bit hard to accept, and Christ looks at you and asks you, will you also go away? What is your answer going to be? Is it going to be like Peter's? Or is it going to be like the apostates who denied Christ? Choice is ours. Let's make the right one. If you are subject to the invitation tonight, I urge you to come forward while there's still time as we stand and sing. Strong.